Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Every Day Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Every Day Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Every Day Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. So we often talk about um, what stories are people are talking to us about in real life versus what Washington, D.C. is talking about. Like, nobody in my life, not a single human being, has brought up the big infrastructure bills in real life. For me, has anybody for you? Yeah, the wild spending in general. Yeah, no, I don't think. Yeah, of course, I don't ever talk to anybody. Right, uh, and so I, I play it. golf with you know a lot with guys who are in business and that sort of thing. But everybody I did talk to over the weekend was, did Alec Baldwin really kill a guy? Alex Baldwin. That got people's attention. Yeah, because well, he's such he, a giant, famous star, and just the idea of him shooting and killing a woman. Well, I suppose indirectly, yeah, he 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 put a bullet through. The director of the movie he's working on, and into a young woman cinephotographer. He was unhappy with the lighting, or uh, no? Indeed, it was a horrific mishap with a prop gun. That uh, the the expert, the person in charge of it, specifically said on the set, "Cold gun," which means it's okay. It's been checked. It's unloaded, and and he's practicing his cool western draw and shoot. And the shot that they were setting up is right into the camera. He's supposed to shoot toward the camera. Well, so he's practicing that, and at one point he actually pulls the trigger. And, you know, I'm not an actor in a Western. I have never pointed and pulled the trigger of any gun. I just, it's bad 
juju. I just, I won't do it. Right. Just because it's such an ingrained habit not to do that. Anyway, so he's practicing it. He pulls the trigger. It's got a freaking live round in it. And, and he, he, he terribly injures a, a man and kills a young woman. Okay, before, before you make it serious, which it is. Oi. I want to do the, uh, the funny stuff. Um, so Michael Malice was getting beaten up pretty hard on his uh, Twitter account, and people were retweeting about how awful it was, but he was making jokes about this instantly, which is kind of interesting because uh, the guy that's running for, one of the people that's running for Senate and has a real good shot of winning it, J.D. Vance, the guy who wrote Hillbilly Elegy, famous book we've talked about a lot, famous movie, he's running for senator in Ohio. He tweeted at Jack Dorsey, get Trump back on Twitter so we can hear his comments about Alec Baldwin. Kind of insinuating we'd like to see the snarky comments. Isn't that what you, you would take from yeah, that? Yeah, that's what I took from that, yeah. yeah. And I thought, that's kind of interesting. Michael Malice, uh, if you don't know him, he's a uh, fairly famous anarchist. He's got a lot of followers. Uh, tweeted over the weekend, working with Alec Baldwin, uh, Baldwin officially has a higher mortality rate than COVID, which is true, statistically speaking. I guess um, so, yeah. Alec Baldwin's field, film career was mostly peaceful. I like that one. That's well, it's pretty just, good. It's really a shot at something else, not at the... Absolutely. That's legit. And let's be honest, we all thought Alec Baldwin was going to kill someone one day. There's a little that's truth That's that. legit, too. Yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty, it's pretty accurate. I mean... Yeah, he's tried, practically, more or less. He's been in a lot of fights, and we all heard him screaming at his daughter and stuff like that. I, you know, I'm not, I don't believe in any way, sense, or form that he did this on purpose, but... Uh, um, you know, I... I don't think about it much, but I would have assumed that in the year 2021, when it comes to filming movies with gun scenes, you've got some sort of super cool, fancy, fake gun that works fine for a movie and it's completely incapable of actually firing around. I I assumed that. Didn't you assume that? I didn't think they were using any kind of gun that could actually fire around for filming a movie. Right. What's the point? Yeah, I, I figured they had a completely dummy gun. It doesn't even have a, a barrel, really. And they and they put in the sound effects later or something. I read that one of your big-time network TV shows, and there are still a few left, it's quaint, um, but one of your big cop shows announced that uh, here on out, um, they are not going to use any of the, the real-ish guns, and, and, and not even blanks in them. They'll just pull the trigger, and they will add the sound well, and the yeah, muzzle flash I, with CGI in post. kind of what I assumed had been going on for years. They had such a real gun there on the movie set that... If these reports are true, they were target practicing because they're out in the, in the in the New Mexico desert there where they're shooting the movie. They're target practicing at night after film shooting with live rounds, and then they would just put the live rounds in the same box with the dummy rounds, and some of them Good got Lord. Mi- some of them got mixed up. Apparently, I-, I had no idea they used a gun that was actually capable of shooting. Low budget movie. I wonder if that was a factor. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, wouldn't you have been shocked if you were filming a movie and they handed you, since you have guns, I have guns, I know what a real gun looks like, feels like, if Mm -hmm. they handed me a real gun, I'd have thought, wow, this is what we use on a movie set? Is this loaded? I would have opened it up. Yeah, I guess. Uh, Yeah, I guess. I don't know. Well, yeah. Well, here's what you would want. You would want a professional human being whose entire responsibility was checking everything and making sure of safety, which they had on the set. 
I read about this young gal. She's the daughter of a guy who's done it forever in Hollywood. She hasn't worked on many movies, and allegedly, she was in charge of making sure all the guns were cleared, all the blanks were blanks, et cetera, et cetera, and then declaring on set, cold gun, cold gun. So nobody had to worry about getting shot, say, in the chest and being killed. Yeah, I guess, again, I'm just surprised there was the, the capability of it being a hot gun. I assumed that well, went away years ago. Well, not only has Hollywood created with CGI imaginary worlds that, 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 that astound the imagination and completely look realistic, but they also they construct... Just astounding sets at enormous expense, and they can't come up with a fake gun that only takes some tiny little different sort of cartridge with a blank in it. Right. I don't get that. Right. Yeah, we're going to have to stop Star Wars filming. We need a different giant bear-like creature that can act because we don't have the ability to fake that up. We have to have a real one. You You can build the Millennium Falcon inside and out, but you can't build a gun that just fires blanks. I don't get it. I don't know either. That was surprising to me. I, uh, you know, now that we've moved past the jocularity around this, what a horrible, you know, the victim is the, I suppose you got to focus on the, uh, the, the husband of the dead woman and they've got a child. Yes. Um, they're the ones that are really are suffering the pain, but man, Alec Baldwin, God dang it. You'd never get over that. He's an old man with, with several kids and a young wife. You'd never get over shooting somebody like that. Yeah, the uh, come on now. He's the captain from the Hunt for Red October. He was a national treasure on Thirty Rock. He's an unspeakable d bag when it comes to politics. Yeah. His Trump on SNL was one of the worst things I've ever seen in my life. So, <laughs> a, a bit of a mixed bag. However, yeah. however, he's a human being with all of his flaws, and I can't even imagine the pain, the horror, if he has a soul, and that has been in dispute at times. Speaking of Saturday Night Live, oh, you know, we have the 911 call. Do we want to hear that? Uh, Michael, it is a, pretty informative. It, it, the person on the line says they were in charge of checking the gun. I can't believe they, you know, screwed up. Yeah, okay. I say yes. All right. Is there any emotional solicitation of emergency? Bonanza Creek Ranch has had two people accidentally shot on a movie set by a prop gun. We need help immediately. Okay, Nanza Creek Ranch. Come on. So was it loaded with a real bullet or what? We don't, I, don't, I cannot tell you that. Okay. We're getting them out there already. Just stay on the phone with me. Thank okay. you. Okay. I just <laughs> yelled at me at lunch because asking about revision. Did you see him lean over my table and yell at me? He's supposed to check the guns. He's responsible for the damage. now, Mimi? No, no, no. I'm a script supervisor. How, how many people were injured? Two. We were rehearsing and it went off. We all ran out. Wow, I, I, yeah, I just if if I if I was if we were like filming a little low budget movie, we gotta have a gun in the scene. I'll bring my three fifty seven for home. No, no, we don't. We don't want a real gun for crying out loud. Let's find a gun that looks like a real gun. Well, or you you have a real gun and you make sure it's empty. That's not a difficult task, yeah, by the I, way. I couldn't. I couldn't point my real three fifty seven at. Even looking at it, knowing it's empty, I, I wouldn't want to point it at somebody and pull the trigger over and over in a scene. I wouldn't want to do that. Yeah, like you said I earlier, that's, that's, a, that's a bad juju. You would have to overcome something. Although, you know, I, I'm a gifted actor, as you know, Jack. And uh, gifted with the ability to 
act, even though I'm terrible at it. Uh, no, I'm, you know, I've, I've done some acting and, uh, I mean, I could play an abusive husband. Um, that's the farthest thing from my character. And so I think I could overcome it and point a gun at somebody. But why would you? There's got to be fake-looking guns that look pretty real on screen. You would think. That's that's crazy. Yeah. Anyway, uh, just a brief mention on Saturday Night Live. I thought it was interesting. Alex handed to me last week. The the episode from last week where they had the guy that played uh, Freddie Mercury was the host. Oh, Rami Malek, yeah. Yeah, that was the lowest-rated show I think they've ever had. Huh. And uh, and I thought, and somehow I missed it. I, I never missed Saturday Night Live. Somehow I missed that. And during the week, because we had a couple of days off and I had COVID, um, I, I watched some of it. And I thought it was one of the funnier Saturday Night Lives I'd seen in a couple of years. And uh, I was going through some of the Twitter responses on various things, and I saw some some critics say they opened with an NFL sketch. Saturday Night Live needs to open with something topical, newsy, and political. And I thought, that's what their problem is. They've trained their viewers that it's all about some sort of left-wing shot at Trump or conservatives. And now people think that's what the show is. And when they did a Saturday Night Live that was like the previous 40-some years, where it was just a whole bunch of different sketches that had nothing to do with politics, it was lowly rated. Because huh. they, they've they've trained everybody. It's kind of the way Stephen Colbert, you know, he's a political show now. And I think if he went non-political for a while, his audience would hate it. And I think Saturday Night Live has, has painted themselves in that, that sort of corner, too. There were some funnier in hell sketches, like uh, like, uh, like like that Robbie Malik and him shopping and another chick shopping for beds. I thought this is classic Saturday Night Live. Oh, I got to go back and check it out. It didn't have anything to do with Trump. It didn't have anything to do with Pence. It didn't have anything to do with right-wingers being stupid. And I think, so they lost all of their right-wing viewers. All of those people see Saturday, because I get the text, why are you talking about Saturday Night Live, that piece of S show? We'll get texts like that right now. Mm -hmm. So they lost everybody that leans right, no longer watches it at all. And all their left-wing viewers are turning in, tuning in to see MSNBC uh, with jokes, uh, comedy, MSNBC, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and so they've yeah. ruined their own show. In the last two weeks, I thought they've been very funny, but not political at all. So that's a pretty good analysis. Interesting uh, decision they decided to make. Wow. Well, speaking of political shows, Bill Maher had some really good stuff uh, this past weekend. We'll drop that on you in a little bit. I'm trying to remember what else I got about a zillion things to talk about. We are going to get to what Joe Biden said Friday night. Speaking of lowly rated, unbelievably low ratings for his CNN town hall that nobody needed on a Friday night. But he said a couple of things that his own White House had to clean up during the show or immediately thereafter, like major policy blunders. Yeah, why don't we jump into that? Plus the the whole fake, fake. Fake Dave Chappelle Netflix controversy. Oh, we got to get into that all the way. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. So the number one song on Apple iTunes in the country last week was the new Adele song, which I actually listened to by accident. That is a really well done song from a pop music standpoint. But uh, the number three song is uh, Fancy Like Applebee's on a Date Night, Bourbon Street Steak, and an Oreo Shake. Um, But the number two song is uh, (laughs) 
Let's Go Brandon. Some sort of Let's Go Brandon remix that we'll have to play later. Let's Go Brandon. I must jump in here. I believe by Sunday, one Let's Go Brandon song was number one. Adele was number two. And a different Let's Go Brandon song, number three. That's hilarious. The updated standings. That's hilarious. Uh, So more on that later. But Joe Biden had a town hall on CNN Friday night. Nobody has any idea why. It got unbelievably low ratings, even by the standard of that sort of thing. But nobody wants to watch that on a Friday night. It gave a pretty good uh, example of why he doesn't answer questions and why his handlers don't trot him out very often. I wonder if they didn't put him on CNN on a Friday night just so they could, you know, because you hear regularly, he hasn't done a press conference in X number of days or he hasn't faced real questions in X number of days. They put him on CNN on a Friday night knowing nobody's going to watch it. And then they can say, yeah, he did just the other night. He did a town hall. Uh, so and, Andy Cooper can serve him spoonfuls of jello and the softest of softballs. Well, he's still flunked. So he got a couple of things wrong. Um, one of them, he was being he was talking about the supply chain issues. Anderson Cooper brought that up. I love it when people talk about Biden's boat parade. Yeah, Trump had the boat parades with all the boats he'd lined up. Trump uh, Biden's got a 146 long boat parade just off Long Beach and uh, L.A. ports there. Look out there. That's the Biden boat parade, all those <laughs> Chinese ships, which is not completely fair, but kind of funny. But anyway, being asked about the supply chain issues, he jumped in and uh, it said, yeah, I'll get the National Guard on that. And Anderson Cooper said, you're going to bring out the National Guard to deal with the supply chain issues and unload those parts? Absolutely. The White House, while the town hall was still going on, put out the information that the President Biden does not have the authorization to do that. We have no plans to do that. That's up to the state governors to make that. Yikes. While he was still talking, they did that. But maybe more importantly, this exchange. I've spoken and spent more time with Xi Jinping than any other world leader has. That's why you have, you know, you hear people saying Biden wants to start a new Cold War with China. I don't want a Cold War with China. I just want to make China understand that we are not going to step back. We are not going to change any of our views. So are you China. saying that, that the United States would come to Taiwan's defense if yes, China attacked? We, yes, we have a commitment. He said it twice. So Biden misstated U.S. policy. Our, our, that is not our U.S. policy, which we'll explain in a second if you don't know this already. Asked, can you vow to protect Taiwan? Biden said yes. Anderson Cooper must have figured this was news, which it is, because he gave Biden another chance to clear that up. So you're saying the United States would come to Taiwan's defense if Biden said yes. China attacked? Yes, we have a commitment to do that. Well, the actual U.S. policy has been forever strategic ambiguity, which I think is stupid and needs to end. But anyway, our policy is to not say whether we would come to the defense of Taiwan or not. And it is a very big deal for a president to just immediately say that. I may be in support of strategic ambiguity, but I may not. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Let me read from the Wall Street Journal editorial board here on this. The Taiwan Relations Act commits the U.S. to help Taiwan defend itself, but it does not include a NATO-like commitment to go to war if Taiwan is attacked. That's been the, the policy through many presidents. Many people think the U.S. should make such a change, but uh, we haven't yet. Was Mr. Biden announcing a change in U.S. policy? Apparently not, because the White House soon walked back Mr. Biden's words immediately after the... um. The show was over. They changed it. Strategic ambiguity lives. Or perhaps we should say strategic confusion in the case of Mr. Biden, says the Wall Street Journal. You have to wonder what the hard men in Beijing think of this performance. Does the fast White House retreat from Mr. Biden's words mean the U.S. doesn't intend to defend Taiwan? What is the U.S. policy? Wars have started amid such mixed signals to adversaries, says the Wall Street Journal. 
Yeah, I can picture Xi Jinping and his advisors saying, what do we make of this? Was that on purpose? Is he so old and out of it? Now's the time. What do we do? Armstrong and Getty. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. I've been a journalist for two decades, writing cover stories for Business Week, Fortune, and Wired. And now, every Monday, I bring you conversations with people who are thinking deeply about work and where it fits into our lives, like Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella on growth mindsets. The learn-it-all does better than the know-it-all. Or MacArthur Genius winner Angela Duckworth on talent versus grit. Your long-term effort and your long-term commitment are surprisingly important. Each episode delivers pragmatic advice for right now. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Armstrong and Getty Show. And I know you probably heard on the news, I did, I did get coronavirus. And it was, it was something else. Like, okay, first of all, when the doctor told me I had coronavirus, I, I got to tell you, I was surprised how it made me feel. I felt dirty. I felt gross. Because I had been walking around Texas, just touching doorknobs, hands all moist, tipping with cash. Here, take this to your family. I must have killed thousands of people just trying to get tonight's show together. So I hope you appreciate it, because a lot of time for me to get this one off. Sean, I remember the last time a uh, TV show has had so much buzz going about it for a variety of reasons than the Dave Chappelle comedy special on Netflix, which a lot of that buzz might have been promotion. I don't know. 
Um, because I gotta believe the number of people that watched that was very, very high. Because well, and the number who were disgusted by its transphobia very, very high as well. Well, I watched on Saturday night, so I think I went into it with the perfect attitude to enjoy it. I I feel like if you if you heard all the hype and you went into it, okay, I'm just waiting for him to just lay it on the trans community. I think you're gonna be disappointed. Oh yeah. <laughs> I think if you went into it with that mindset. And act, see, I, I'm not particularly a Dave Chappelle fan. I would have never watched the special if they didn't have this controversy around it. I'm just not a, really a fan. So I've never watched any of his stuff. Whenever I see him, I've always been meh. So, and I know he's hugely famous and everything like that. Um, I just, he's not my cup of tea. But I watched because of the controversy and I, I was in such a, I think, I think I'll give this a look mood um i thought it was just brilliant and i and uh it's the first time i've ever taken in that much dave Chappelle. he's closer to mark twain than he is jerry seinfeld absolutely true yeah yeah his stuff has real depth i've been a big fan for quite a while he's, i want to go back and, and watch some of his old stuff again so it's more like a, 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 a hour and a half commentary on a particular like view of the world like i said mark twain style than a series of jokes and yeah, from it's that commentary st- with laughs and from that standpoint is just it's crafted so un- unbelievably well and yeah. holds together so well and i can't I, I i was thinking how do you memorize this and get it just exactly right to pull this off but um i was thinking how much of this trans stuff was manufactured to get people to watch because i know i watched because of the uh the contra- the supposed controversy the walkout um, I finally, so I heard news agencies reporting that uh, 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 employees walked off the job at Netflix, like stating it as if it was everyone. Then I heard other news stories say it was like a dozen. So well, this is exactly where I'm going. Um, the, uh, my friend Dave wrote the uh, headline could have been Chappelle mourns loss of trans friend and calls for more em- empathy, which is, you know, more yeah. or less the message yeah. of his stuff. But so Matt Taibbi with a great piece, cancel culture takes a big L as in loss. The press tries and fails to hype a crisis into existence over Dave Chappelle's new Netflix special. First, there were the numbers. Over the course of the last week, news commentators predicted a huge demonstration of Netflix employees in protest to comedian Dave Chappelle's The Closer with Yahoo typifying coverage. Quote, reports say that 1,000 Netflix employees, nearly 10% of the comedy's workforce, are planning an October 20th walkout to protest the Chappelle special. That's interesting. Reports say... So you have a report quoting a report. Who reported? God, how many times has this happened where the media is reporting fast food workers walking off the job, and you'd never know what happened if the media wasn't telling you it was happened because numbers are so small. Happened in two places, yeah. The Hollywood Reporter did say at least 1,000 were planning on participating in a virtual walkout, whatever that is, but noted the story first came out on the in The Verge, which talked about a company-wide demonstration. Others followed, mostly without any hint that any of the reporters involved talked to anyone at Netflix but the demonstration's organizers. Nobody checked because everyone liked the narrative as it was. As a result, at least 1,000 became gospel via headlines like Gizmodo's. 1,000 Netflix employees are reportedly planning walkout to protest new special, Chappelle special, or The Independent inviting us to watch live as more than 1,000 Netflix employees are set to walk out of their jobs on Wednesday. By this Wednesday, the date of the planned walkout, that was last Wednesday, the story became hundreds of Netflix employees and supporters are expected to show up. That's what CNN said. Then as the event started, it became hundreds of protesters stood in solidarity with Netflix's employee. 
employees. Per the Daily Beast, for instance, the, then NBC told us hundreds rally outside Netflix where protesting employees were lined up outside and they were met with roaring applause. How many employees walked out? Not one news organization put the real number in a headline and only had a few had the guts to even tweet that the actual protest was reduced to when they mentioned an arrested development meme in which one of the characters says, there are dozens of us. Dozens. <laughs> even the op-ed wrap-ups couldn't avoid sounding like parodies, with the Washington Post talking about the crowd of dozens gathered outside the company's West Hollywood offices being evidence that the popularity of a comedian whose shows already gained over 10 million views was colliding with a, quote, growing movement to protect the rights of transgender people. Then Taibbi asks, how a comedy could be could uh, be a violation of the rights of transgender people was not explained, of course. Coverage across the board was ridiculously one-sided, with story after story quoting nothing but activists and woke Twitter personalities denouncing Ch- Chappelle's alleged jokes. Then he talked more about the journalists felt no responsibility to be accurate or to get uh, d- opposing points of view or etc. But the one part I really wanted to get to. They routinely mischaracterized the show's content. For instance, Chappelle was regularly accused of having defended rapper Da Baby in the special. An example being New York Times guest columnist Roxanne Gay writing, and I quote, One of the strangest but most telling moments in The Closer is when Mr. Chappelle defends Da Baby, a rapper in the news, for making pretty egregious homophobic remarks. Taibbi writes, you have to be high or having a psychotic episode to hear defending the baby yes, in, the, in the closer. But that's not my memory of it. That's not the way I took it. For those who don't know the story, the uh, baby described by Chappelle as quote the number one streaming artist until about a couple of weeks ago went on stage in a concert in Florida in July and went on a half coherent rant. He told fellas in the crowd, "If you ain't." committing an act of love with other men in the parking lot, put your cell phones up. Some of the crowd went along. And uh, Chappelle says, now, you know, I go hard in the paint, but even I saw S like that and was like, GD da baby. You can't do that. You can't do that. But I do believe, and I'll make this point later, that the kid made a very egregious mistake. I will acknowledge that. But, you know, a lot of the LGBTQ community doesn't know da baby's history. He's a wild guy. He once shot an Enna and killed him in Walmart. Oh, this is true. Google it. The baby shot and killed an Anna in Walmart in North Carolina. Nothing bad happened to his career. Do you see where I'm going with this? In our country, you can shoot and kill a Blanca, but you better not hurt a gay person's feelings. Which that, is a hell of an interesting point. And it is a million miles away from defending the baby. Right. That is crazy that regularly came out translated in op-ed pages as defending the baby such blithely insane proudly dishonest mixed characterizations have become a regular feature of national media commentary and Chappelle mocks the habit repeatedly in the closer to the delight of audiences around the world it might behoove press people to notice um however that's okay blah 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 um, and, and then he goes into some of the brilliant stuff Chappelle has done in the past and what great commentary it is compared to even uh, Matt Taibbi's own writing. Well, I'm glad he extrapolates it to uh, to, to other things, all other news stories. Because, you know, a freaking comedy special, how important can a comedy special be? But he's right. The media does this with every story. Every story. It's just, there's so... If you're getting your information... From media sources and not going to the actual source, like the actual speech the politician gave, or the actual way the law is written, or the actual comedy special. 
you've got to go to the source in all these things because the interpretation you get of it through the media is so far from accurate. Yeah. You're worse off from having heard it. So one final note on this. Uh, there's an article here in uh, Yahoo News, which is just egregious so often. Uh, talking about how Netflix braces for staff walkout and LGBTQ rally over the Chappelle special. Um, and, and they talk about how it's being organized by the leader, Ashley Marie Preston. Well, it's come to the attention of the Internet that this Ashley Marie Preston, who is a transgender woman, a number of years ago, unleashed a, a nearly unending series of tweets that was so racist against Asian people, Hispanic people, black people. It was anti-gay. It was anti-LGBTQ. It was just, it was angry, violent filth against all sorts of groups. Now, she claims that she was a meth addict at the time, was down and out, living on the streets, hadn't accepted her own identity, so was self-hating, a junkie, and just out of her mind. And so all those tweets should be excused. Uh, John Gruden, former coach of the Raiders, says, uh, old tweets you didn't really mean. Um, <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Do I get a hearing? Uh, but so this, this woman, this alleged leader, who is now badgering everybody about how enlightened they ought to be and calling Dave Chappelle a hater, for God's sake, has a history of unleashing filth that, uh, please, clan members would be ashamed of it. So come for the d- dishonest media, stay for the, the wackadoos. Uh, spouting hypocrisy, but if they spout hypocrisy that lines up with the woke ideology, they'll be raised up as heroes. Please, what garbage! I also thought it was interesting Chevelle's Chappelle's um point of view on practically everything was so mainstream. It was so like eighty percent of America or more be- agrees with you on this, and well reasoned too. You know, show your work. He does. I actually thought during the show, I thought my dad would like the show. He would agree with most of these jokes and think they were funny because it was just very mainstream. So it's interesting that he's got the rep of, you know, so out there and dangerous since he is spouting like what 90% of us think about a variety of things. Right, right. What would you think of the end of it where he talked about his uh, transgender comedian friend? Yeah, yeah. Heavy. Um. Yeah, yeah. And making a good point. I'd say so. Um, you mentioned this last week, so this is a spoiler, if you can have a spoiler in a comedy show, but, uh, his transgender friend kills herself after getting bashed endlessly by the trans community for not being woke enough. Right. Right. Which is just incredible. Yeah. So the viciousness of these people knows no bounds and, and they're wrong about practically everything. Other than that, be a big supporter of them. Oh yeah. All you freaking college-educated, white, guilt-sporting, suburban softheads. Quit with you. You're supporting the Maoist Red Guard. You're supporting Hitler Youth. Jeez Louise, what's the matter with you pinheads? Russia's done a couple of interesting things you ought to be aware of. There's some vaccine news for kids and everybody else. Boosters for adults. New shots for kids. Everybody's got a decision to make if they want their kid to be in school. Anyway, all that stuff on the way, and you can text us anytime at 415-295-KFTC. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with a king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. I've been a journalist for two decades, writing cover stories for Business Week, Fortune, and Wired. And now, every Monday, I bring you conversations with people who are thinking deeply about work and where it fits into our lives, like Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella on growth mindsets. The learn-it-all does better than the know-it-all. Or MacArthur Genius winner Angela Duckworth on talent versus grit. Your long-term effort and your long-term commitment are surprisingly important. Each episode delivers pragmatic advice for right now. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Once, if Pfizer does get the authorization on Tuesday from FDA, um, even before the CDC votes on this on November 2nd and 3rd, they'll start to ship it into the supply chain. So it will be available for use once there's a hopefully positive vote from CDC. So it could be as early as November 4th and 5th that you can go into some locations and get your child vaccinated. Yay! <laughs> Not sure how many people are saying yay, but... The question is, is your school going to make it mandatory that your kid get the shot? That's the big question that I think everybody's wondering, and uh, a lot of schools have already announced that they are. Yeah, they said on uh, Fox News Sunday, 30% of parents said, yeah, I'll get my kid vaccinated. And the rest said, uh-uh. So here's a question I've got. Um, 
in, in case you didn't hear me mention earlier, I, apparently I had the COVID. Whole family had the COVID. I think I had the COVID week before last and then gave it to the rest of my family. Both my boys and mom all tested positive late last week for COVID. And uh, a couple of them are still sick. Uh, still sick. I think I had it earlier and gave it to them. I had a clear test on Friday. But uh, so I think I've had the COVID. But if, if your kids have had the COVID, like, you know, they've had the COVID. They tested positive. How much do they need the vaccine at that point? Given the fact that they think 11 kids have died in a year and a half who didn't have a comorbidity of COVID, your kids have the antibodies of having had it already. They're not much at risk anyway. How much do I need to get them the vaccine? I have been. So that's a question I think parents are going to be asking all around the country, uh, whether you know that your kid got the COVID or you just suspect that your kid got the COVID. And now that I've had COVID and I'm vaccinated, I got like quintuple some sort of super whatever. So I don't know if I need the booster. I suppose I'll get it if it's around. You know, I've been staunchly pro for adults, including myself. Not pro mandates, just... Joe is pro everybody getting jabbed right in the eye. He wants everybody to be held down and get jabbed in the eye. But anyway, this is going to be an ongoing uh, question for uh, weeks to come. No doubt about that. Oh, did you see around the whole COVID thing, fans stormed the Barclay Center there uh, where the Brooklyn Nets play because Kyrie Irving... One of the most, if you don't follow sports, you don't know this, I realize. He's one of the most famous NBA players, one of the best NBA players. He's playing on a team that has a legitimate shot shot at winning the championship, except he's not being allowed to play right now because on their home games, at least there at the uh, stadium, you have to have the vaccine to be allowed in the stadium. And even as a player, since he doesn't have the vaccine, he's not being allowed to play. Well, anti-vaxxers stormed the stadium, whatever that means. I haven't seen the video, so I don't know how big a storming it was. But uh, there are a certain number of fans on his side for not getting the vaccine, which I think is kind of popular among the the black crowd. So, um, apropos of nothing, came across this over the weekend. I was going to mention how Russia is ramping up their uh, cyber hacking again for some reason. That's mm-hmm. the news on the street. Uh, came across this listening to a podcast about... Um, apps and websites and every time you add an app i added an app the other day and i had an agreement on there and i thought i i i, I, I what am i gonna do i clicked yes i right. want i want this weather app like everybody does and now this weather app probably is allowed to see every keystroke that i ever make on my phone and maybe even my home computer because yeah, i agreed to look at the weather maybe don't know there are there are plenty of apps out there like that lots of them Someone compiled it and said, those I agree pages we agree to, the average person, because this is going to be part of a lawsuit, they're going to make the argument to the Supreme Court that it's unrealistic that people read those agreement things and understand them. Because right now, the idea is, hey, you, you, you have the right to look that over, read it, and agree or not agree. We agree to more pages of legal ease than any human being could read in a year. And I believe that that's probably true. You, you agree to any app, and it's got 50 pages in tiny print? How, how many times do you do that every year? Whether it's your company website or, or whatever else you're doing. We agree to more stuff than we could read in an entire year. So that's going to be part of an effort to convince the courts that, no, 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 this is unrealistic. 
that we uh, you know sit down with a lawyer and go over paragraph by paragraph every time you want to download a, a version of a game on your computer or your iPod for your kids or whatever. Coming up next hour, they've declared racism a public health crisis in New York City. Not getting shot or bashed on the head and having your wallet stolen. That's not a health crisis, but racism is a health crisis there in Chicago. You can take a look at that. We have to get back into some of the latest stuff on Alec Baldwin uh, accidentally shooting somebody. Or was it an accident? It was an accident. Or was it? It was. But was it? Our text line is 415-295-KFTC, 415-295-KFTC. Some great stuff from Bill Maher on his show on HBO on Friday night that we want to play for you about this um, civil war that at least some of the country seems to be excited to get started. Maybe you'll think twice after you hear from Bill Maher. Again, our text line, 415-295-KFTC. And if you miss an hour of the show, go to the website, armstrongandgetty.com, to grab the podcast hours and to get the very cool Let's Go Brandon t-shirt that Joe is wearing today. Let's Go Brandon. You can get it in t-shirt form, the Armstrong and Getty version, when you go to armstrongandgetty.com. Armstrong and Getty. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Every Day Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.